0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one does not. I'm Katherine, teen services librarian, and I love YA.
1: I'm Patty, youth services manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, youth services specialist, and I love fall. <laughs> I
0: love fall, too. Speaking of fall, I tried the... Autumn squash soup. <laughs> yeah. Sarah brought some in for us to try today.
1: And verdict? My
0: verdict is it is weird and sweet, which is kind of weird for me with a savory think- sounding soup, I guess,
2: but it, it wasn't bad. It was surprisingly sweet, but also really good. And, and I learned that, that apparently butternut squash soup, butternut squash is not the same as that yellow squash that I don't like. Right. But
0: I would probably eat it again. So there you go.
1: Win win win. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. (laughs) You
2: introduced me to a new thing. You're very welcome.
1: I also need to make a correction from our last episode (gasps) when I told everybody that I thought squash was in succotash. It is not. Oh. Sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And now that I've like discovered my newfound love of squash, sad about that.
1: Yeah, me too.
2: While we're on the topic of
0: food, I also tried a little honey on pizza. Ooh. I need to give it another try because I was sick with a cold when I did try it. And you know how (laughs) colds are. Your sense of taste is maybe not, you know, where it should be. I
2: like that you're like, I'm going to try this anyway.
0: However, I didn't hate it. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm not like a traditional pizza
2: fan either. What kind of pizza was it?
0: Well, it was actually Papa John's pizza. That's why I, I'm also mm. reserving judgment until I try it on like a, <laughs>
2: a real pizza. A real pizza.
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. That's not probably that, fair. <laughs>
0: not that Papa John's is not like... We love you, Papa John's. They're if you never, to be a sponsor they're never of going it. to sponsor us now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: Retract that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this has been our podcast about things that your public librarians eat. <laughs> <laughs> we do eat. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should talk about some books.
0: Ooh. Well, I guess we'll just jump right into our topic of the day. And if you remember from last episode, we're doing part two of our right or wrong series, where I got to pick the author, and I went with David Levithan, and he has written quite a few
1: books. So, how long is this episode? Because we got a lot of ground to uh, cover. Eighteen hours. hours. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, a little bit about David Levithan. He's the editorial director at Scholastic and is the founding editor for the Push Imprint. He wrote his first book, Boy Meets Boy, in 2003, and that started as a Valentine's Day story for his friends. Uh, These Valentine's stories are something he has been doing for well over 20 years. And he has won the Margaret A. Edwards Award and has been up for six Lammies, winning
2: three Lambda Literary Awards. Kudos. I must have read, I, gosh, because I read Boy Meets Boy pretty soon after it came out. So that, go. Oh, gosh, that's just so long ago. I'm feeling my age right now. <laughs> <Whew>.
0: <laughs> I did not read it right when it came out. Because I didn't read that until I had already been working at the library. I was working at a library at the time.
2: It came across my, I was going to say desk, but I didn't have a desk then. I was just a circulation clerk. I just came across my hot little hands. and I was like, <laughs> I'm reading this. I do think that
0: was one I totally picked up based on the cover. It was just blue. with It like was a blue
2: cover with um,
0: conversation hearts on the front yes. of it that said Boy, boy meets, meets Boy. boy. Yeah, I don't know
2: why that to me was like clever. In 2003, it was also like in a semi-small town in Georgia, finding that book was unique to have a book about two boys. What was so interesting about that book is it was it was written in a small town that, that was just accepting, and it like it wasn't a huge deal. Like There was a side character that lived in a separate town that was a big deal, but it wasn't a big deal that the characters were gay, which I thought was interesting.
0: I'm going to read a quote from David Levithan about this book that I found uh, on his website. But he basically set out to write the book that he dreamed of getting as an editor, a book about gay teens that doesn't conform to the old norms about gay teens in literature, i.e. it has to be about a gay uncle or a teen who gets beaten up for being gay, or about outcasts who come out and find they're still outcasts, albeit outcasts with their outcastedness in common. He's often asked if the book is a work of fantasy or a work of reality. And the answer is right down the middle it's about where we're going and where we should be. And I just thought, I don't, that hit me hard. I just really liked that. Yeah. And that is one of the things I really like about his writing as well, is that it's a story about maybe being queer. But the queerness is not the focus of the story. It's just
1: part of their life. Right. It's an aspect of the character. It's not the defining quality of the character.
2: And I would say I've read quite a few books by him and um, both his um, his single stuff and the stuff he's written with other authors. And I will say I, I think that the overarching theme of all of his books is hope. And they just always leave me feeling hopeful about where we can go as a society and like you know it's just love and hope are are his thing it's nice (laughs) right
0: and i think yeah that's that's one of the things i just like about it it's it's just a good story feel good yes yes so i guess we'll kind of tackle this like we did with this steve otter episode we're gonna go through the list of works and then talk about the ones we've read okay We've already covered Boy Meets Boy, but that was the first book, so it makes sense. Um, The next one was The Realm of Possibility. This one was a Lambda finalist. I read this one. I have not. But not recently. What I have written down is that it's about 20 teens who all go to the same high school and how their lives interconnect.
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I was like, I know I read this one. I couldn't remember what it was about. This is one that I liked because I don't... One of the things I really enjoy in fiction are um, stories that interconnect and like weave together, and this was one. I read this book and a book called um, A View from Saturday by Konigsberg, I think. Um, I have read those two about the same time, and this one was Teens and A View from Saturday's Middle School Students, but it still got the same sort of um, feel about how – students lives at this one school all they they all interconnect and things and it's again it's one of those books that like just leaves you feeling full of joy and just kind of hope and it was very I remember liking it a lot so next up is are, are we, we there, there yet <laughs> it's like it was are we there yet isn't it <laughs> yes This And this also, like, In My Head I See Blue, because they were all blue covers, they were all about the same size, and they all had, like, one image on the front, like, Boy Meets Boy had the heart, and the realm of possibility had these, like, hand things, kind of, and then this one had a snow globe, and it was about two brothers.
1: I think that would be a good title for a book, though, In My Head I See Blue. I don't have a
2: ton to say about it, it was about two brothers and their relationship and it was and they're tricked into going mm-hmm. on a trip to italy i think sarah would like it because isn't quite like that book we read that you really liked those names the, the the love the, the one true love yes thank god i could not remember the name of that book it's got sort of a similar ish feeling only it's uh two brothers and they're tricked they don't know they're going to italy Short. They're all short. Those those first ones were short, quick reads. Next up we have
0: Marley's Ghost. This is another one that was a Valentine's Day story. It's a Valentine's retelling of a Christmas carol.
2: I have not read that one. That one so, sounds really cool. Yeah, so that like it's fun. a
0: remixed Christmas carol, uh, where there's a boy named Ben and his girlfriend Marley has just died. So it's, it's a sad. story about grief and how he's dealing with the grief. And I think um, Marley visits him which is kind of how you get the tie-in to the you know the three ghosts of Christmas got it
2: well and the ghost okay. of Marley
0: well right and and Marley all right so next is the first collaboration between David Levithan and Rachel Cohn and this is actually the first book I ever read by David Levithan
2: oh it's <laughs> like ever read ever <laughs> no <laughs> you had a weird pause <laughs> I was like, okay no she was a very precocious child
0: Goodnight, Moon, or... And Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. There you go. (laughs) So this one, um, and again, this is from his website, but Rachel is the one who suggested the collaboration, and she proposed that they write a back-and-forth novel with her writing from the girl's perspective and David Levithan writing from the boy's perspective. And what I like about these books, and actually all of their books, is because they're written from two authors taking on, like, the writing of one character, you get, like, a true dialogue and distinct voices. Character dialogue is important to me in most stories, so I really like them.
2: I really like that one, too. It's a it's a fun one night mm-hmm. in New York. And I remember reading it and being like, oh. I wish my life were like that. <laughs> <laughs> and this one was also turned into a movie. I, which I have not seen that one. I liked it. Okay. I get the feeling like his books, he writes stories about teenagers, but they're always like a grown up version of a teenager, if that makes sense. Like, I, it's not that I don't think they ring true. They read like what teenagers want to think or think they sound like as opposed to what they kind of sometimes do sound like, if that makes sense. If you've met a teenager and they're not super sophisticated but they want to be sophisticated and he writes that that version of a teenager. It's like the ideal, a teen ideal maybe is what I feel like he writes. It's fun and I like as a teen, I would have really liked that because I would have wanted to be just like these kids. <laughs> I wouldn't have been because I lived in small town Georgia. But. I know, I was thinking,
0: <laughs> would not have had the same experience. <laughs> So next is his first anthology, I think, and it's Full Spectrum, co-edited with Billy Merrill. It's comprised of true stories from LGBT writers under 23, and this one did win a Lambda Award. So while on the topic of anthologies, his other collections include How They Met, and that story happened to be the 20th anniversary of his Valentine's Story tradition. The others are Up All
1: Night, And 19 Love Songs. I read 19 Love Songs. And that's a collection of stories, but in the book, they're called Tracks, which I think is kind of cute. Oh, that's nice. Um, All about um, queer relationships. And the two that stood out to me the most were Track 10, which was called Snow Day, a two-boys kissing story about um, a boy who goes to visit his kind of early on in the relationship boyfriend, and they end up getting snowed in together. And then I also liked track 13, which is called As the Philadelphia Queer Youth Choir Sings Katy Perry's Firework. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of is just, you know, um, snippets of the thoughts of each member, different members of the choir as they're performing. So that's kind of, I I like, he has a unique approach to writing. It's not necessarily just a straight. Beginning of the story, middle of the story, like, you know, um, because this is just snippets of people's thoughts of the character's thoughts. And I know that you've read some, Catherine, that were also kind of unique in the way that he approached the writing. And um, I read one that we'll talk about later that was also pretty unique in style. So definitely some out of the box writing styles here. And that's always exciting to see. The next one is Wide Awake.
0: Which is another one I'm unfamiliar with. That Was an, was that the 9-11? No. This one starts with the election of the first gay Jewish president and is about two boyfriends who must go to Kansas when the election results are threatened. And it sounds interesting, but I, I have not read this one. I When was didn't that written?
2: Know. I was like, it sounds uh, kind of like it could be very topical. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: 2006. Okay, so next is Naomi and Eli's No Kiss List. This is another one written with Rachel Cohn. It's about a straight girl and a gay boy who have been best friends forever, but have to deal with a lot of things because um, Eli kisses Naomi's boyfriend. Uh-oh. Ooh. And Naomi is also dealing with the fact that she always thought she and Eli would be together, even though she knew he was gay. That sounds like high drama. But like they were kind of raised together, almost like brother and sister. So it to Eli, it was never going to be that even if he were straight. straight, Rough to hear for yes. her. But I just finished this one, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I just discovered this one was also a movie, but I haven't seen it.
2: Really? Huh. Yeah.
0: So next is How They Met and Other Stories. This one was a Lambda finalist. And he wrote this in high school and college, and then it also included
1: some more recent stories, too. But that's all I know about that one. I have not read it. I read like a, one of the short stories out of that one before I realized it's not in our catalog, so I didn't keep reading it. Because ah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about one that we actually
0: have. And then the next is Love is the Higher Law, and this is the story that... That's a September 11th yes, one. Yes, this is the story that takes place on 9-11. Three teenagers and how their lives intertwine in the days and
2: months that follow. That one I read um again not recently sounds like a tearjerker (laughs) it was but it was also again ultimately uplifting because all of his stuff is he just doesn't write sad yeah it's sad for (laughs) it's it might be sad in the moment but It's it's still hopeful it leaves you feeling hopeful and that's a good one i really there were several books that came out kind of around 9-11 Nine eleven and like what that that you know, that whole day and things. And this one I think is the most well, I didn't read all of them, but this one was really good. And it was kind of the one that I that I needed to read at the time. It was yeah. I don't it would be interesting to read it again now twenty years oh, further later. Out. Yeah. Because it was relatively close. It was still still semi-recent when I read it the first time and and I needed what it gave me that that feeling of hopefulness and it would be like I said I'm, I'm slightly more cynical now and uh, it would be interesting to read it <laughs> again. So next up
0: is I guess I would call it a duology because there's only two books in the series but it is Will Grayson Will Grayson that was written with John Green and then its sequel Hold Me Closer The Tiny Cooper Story. And I read Will Grayson, Will Grayson, and this is kind of a fun fact that I that I recently learned. So when uh, David Levithan was in college, he kept getting mistaken for another student named David Leventhal, who was a dancer. And so David Levithan kept having people come up to him and telling him, "Oh, I saw you on stage last night," or <laughs> "I think I what I read was like you you looked more graceful than I expected from you," or like it was comments <laughs> like that. He was like, that's not me. <laughs> and you're then like, later in their college career, they met finally. And you're like, you're that guy. And now they're friends. Yeah. <laughs> you are graceful. <laughs> Which is kind of the story of Will Grayson. It's two Will Graysons that get mistaken, and they meet. And it's the story that follows, and their friendships. And there's obviously a tiny Cooper in there. So,
2: <laughs> so this is interesting, because this I did reread. Like, just recently, and it's interesting to me the things that stood out. For one thing, I was like, I remember loving this book. Same. And I was rereading it, and when I first started, I was like, oh my God, I don't like any of these people except Tiny, like, what? why did I, I like this book? Yeah. And then, like, 100 pages in is when the Will Graysons meet, and once the Will Graysons meet the story kind of just takes a different turn. And I was like, oh, I do like this story. I remember, now I remember why I like this story, but it wasn't until they meet. Because I think, what I think is really interesting about this is John Green wo- wrote one, the straight Will Grayson, <laughs> and David Levithan wrote the gay Will Grayson. And um, the way you can tell them apart is the even chapters are, Gay Will Grayson and the Odd Chapters are straight Will Grayson. And one has, like, capital letters and punctuation, and the other has no capital letters, and the dialogue is just uh, like a play dialogue instead of, of regular dialogue. And um, which I thought that was really fun and how they played with that. But, yeah, I, I didn't like them at first, but...
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I remember at the beginning thinking both Will Graysons were kind of jerks.
2: It's true, it, yeah. And what really hit me is this was written in 2010, and there are things that are mentioned in this book that I'm like, oh, they would not write that. Like um, The gay Will Grayson, <laughs> I feel bad referring to him as the gay and the straight Will Grayson, but that's just that's how it's going to be. Um, he is... Suffering from depression and he's on medication. But like he says things like he spends most of his time thinking about how ways to kill himself or ways to kill everybody else. And like there's a lot of jokes that could be that really hit like the school shootings and stuff like that. Mm. And I'm like, oh God, that hits different now than it did in 2010. And some things about like very casual homophobia of not the main characters, but like of of some of the characters towards, and it's not even homophobia. It, it's just like microaggressions and things they say to Tiny or to, to Will, who's Tiny's best friend. And it's like, oh, I don't know if that would be so common or just go over so smoothly in high school now, so. But there's a Grey's Anatomy joke in this book in 2010. <laughs> That show is still on the air. There's some dated things like the, the instant messaging thing they use and the fact that they can't just, they don't really text people as much as they did. That, But like Grey's Anatomy is eternal. <laughs> but I have not read Tiny Cooper.
1: Well, I did read Tiny Cooper, or Hold Me Closer, the Tiny I Cooper too. story. Yeah. And I did not read Will Grayson, Will Grayson. But I still feel like I didn't necessarily need to have read Will Grayson, Will Grayson to appreciate this book. Um, It's written in the form of a play, so that's what I was referring to earlier when there's some interesting um, styles of writing here, and there's a lot of humor in this. It's written as a musical, really, more than a play, and so there's lyrics to the songs, and uh, the stage notes are really, the stage directions are really uh, entertaining, So, And I found that the teens in this, the characters were more relatable and realistic teenagers than I think in some of the other things, kind of alluding to what you mentioned. Um, And it also had, this had a quote in it that I liked it well enough that I recorded it. So, and this is the quote. It says, don't get trapped into thinking people are halves instead of wholes. They're not trying to sell you on it yet, but believe me, they will. The idea that two is the ideal and that one is only good as half of two you are not a half and you should never treat someone else like a half. And I thought that is a really good lesson. So his books are all filled with like profound thought kind of, you know, statements like that, things that you really have to oh, and like that should you should let that soak in and think about it. But that's the one that I liked the best of the ones that I've read.
2: I do kind of want to take a highlighter to some of his books, but I, I didn't because they're library books, but they are kind of those kind of books where you're like yeah, I want to remember that or I want to remember this. I, I do want to read that because while this book is called Will Grayson, Will Grayson, ultimately it is a story about Tiny Cooper. I was going to say I liked Tiny Cooper the best from Will Grayson, Will Grayson,
0: so I was happy when like five years later – the Tiny Cooper story came out.
1: Now I did feel about this one that the end was sort of not really much of an ending. And I wondered if that's because if that's intentional because Tiny's story really isn't over yet. And so we need, he needs more acts. I did flip to the end of that and kind of looked it over.
2: And what so in Will Grayson, Will Grayson, a large plot point is him writing this musical. Right. And like performing this musical and Will Grayson, Will Grayson ends when he performs this musical. And I know in that one, it looks like he and Will break up, but like it's not really resolved or anything. And and the truth is in this book, Will's story is kind of resolved. So like Will has sort of an ending with another boy and gets to a better place than he is at the beginning of the book. And like Tiny is kind of how he got there. And so like, but I don't, I guess that's not covered
1: in No, and this is about Tiny, so I want to know, like his part of the motivator or the plot point for him is trying to find love, and he's gone through in there, I believe, 18 different boyfriends, and they all make an appearance in the musical. (laughs) That Yeah, sounds right. But but when it ends, he still really hasn't accomplished that. So that's what I mean, like maybe he needs another act, or maybe he just needs to remember this quote about him not being – a half. A half. He's a whole by himself. He doesn't need to find another person. So, anyway. I like
2: that quote a lot.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that message. What comes after these two? Uh, another series. This one, um, again, written with Rachel Cohn. It's Dash and Lily's Book of Dares. And that one has two more books in it The Twelve Days of Dash and Lily and Mind the Gap, Dash and Lily. Well, it's The Twelve Days of Dash and Lily, a Christmas story. It is, and <laughs> I have already talked about this one fairly extensively when we did our, like, holiday episode oh, last yeah. year. So I'm not going to talk about it too much, um, and that one is a series on Netflix, and sadly
1: is only one, se- one season. So. And it's a cute show. I've not read the book, but I stand by the show. It follows two teens, Dash and Lily,
0: who meet at first through a red notebook left on the shelves of The Strand... And then mayhem ensues. So if you want more information about Dash and Lily, maybe check out our episode number three, which was called Tis the Season. The next one on the list is the Lover's Dictionary. Sadly, we don't own this one either. Uh, And it's technically for adults. And uh, even David Levithan says it's about adults, but it's not necessarily for adults. Okay. He writes almost all of his books for uh, teens. And then he has a few that are middle grade readers but it's the story of a two-year relationship, and it's told in dictionary entries that one lover writes for the other. So
2: I follow him on Twitter, and his Twitter is um, the lover's dictionary, and it's just, it's not the story, but it's, it's all of the words and definitions, and it's, so that's funny. I didn't, I don't think I realized that there was a book that that came from So that's really fun. And it's things like, um, he's in the P's now at this point. The newest one is pulp, noun. One love ends and it doesn't disappear. Instead, it takes a different form. Pulverized material you will use for whatever love comes next. I really, pulmonary, an adjective. A heart doesn't mean anything if it isn't beating time. The next one, every you, every me. Did anybody read that one?
0: No. No. I just want to point out that this one is an interesting collaboration he did with a photographer, Jonathan Farmer. Jonathan would give him pictures one at a time, and he wrote a novel that incorporated those pictures.
2: I don't think we have that one.
0: We don't. But it was a random, like random pictures. He didn't know what the pictures were going to be, and Jonathan didn't know what he was writing about. So the story that kind of came out of those is kind of like a psychological thriller. I would
2: love to read that. That sounds really cool. It sounds interesting. Mm Okay, I'm going to have to complain to our materials department because I want more of these books. (laughs) Yes. And then the next
0: is another series, Every Day. This one he wrote on his own. And it has a prequel, Six Days Earlier, and then two following books, Another Day and Someday. And this one was another Lambda finalist. And it's the story of a teen named A who doesn't really have a body of their own. It's kind of an interesting twist. Like, so A, each morning A wakes up, he's in the body of a different teen. So I think in the book, he's 16. Yes. And so each morning, A wakes up in a different 16-year-old's body. Gender doesn't matter. Um, Race doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. (laughs) Sexual orientation doesn't matter. Uh, And
2: and he has to live for that day in that person's body.
0: And it's also kind of a love story because on the first day, he's in the body of a boy named Justin and A falls for Justin's girlfriend, Rhiannon. And so the story that develops after that is whether or not like Rhiannon can recognize love even if the face changes every day. Oh, wow. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's, it's a really interesting concept. It is. I have, I've only read book one. Yeah, I was gonna say, I've only read book one. I haven't read the rest of them. And I have so many questions. I don't really get, you, you just kind of have to go with the premise because I admit I had some things where I'm like, well, but then, how did he learn how to talk and how to read? And, because he's always been like this. Or I say he, but they—he doesn't. A doesn't have a gender because A's gender changes every time they change bodies. bodies. Mm-hmm. And A has always been like this, and has always jumps into someone who is A's approximate age. So I'm just very curious about A's younger life. <laughs> don't know if that gets addressed in any of the sequels, but probably not. You just have to go with it.
0: I don't know. But this one was also turned into a movie, which would be worth seeing, but I have not seen it. Huh. So next up is Invisibility, written with Andrea Kramer. And I know nothing about this book. i would never even <laughs> heard of that book. Nope. So after that is Two Boys Kissing. And this is the book I'm currently reading. It is a Lambda winner. And... Uh, I'm going to read to you what David Levithan said about this book. It was inspired by many things, a story he had written for an anthology entitled How Beautiful the Ordinary that was narrated by the AIDS generation of gay men looking at the internet generation. It's the true story of two New Jersey boys who broke the world record for longest continuous kiss in 2011 and some less happy stories of gay teens who found tougher obstacles
2: about the same time, at about the same time. I have not read this one only because I have always been worried that it's going to make me cry too much.
0: It <laughs> actually isn't that sad. Okay. I mean, it is sad, I mean, because there's like a kind of like an over or arching or background narrator that is this the voice of these uh, the older generation. Yeah. And so I mean, that's sad because you know they've died. But the story ultimately is hopeful because the whole purpose of this two boys kissing is to kind of show the world that
2: there are two boys kissing and that's okay. I'm still gonna cry way too much.
0: (laughs) I mean, there are moments where you get a little teary because the side stories, like some of these, like he said, where maybe they're coming out stories are not that great. Those are kind of- I don't
2: think I'll cry because it's sad. I think I'm just gonna cry because I'm gonna feel all my feelings at one time. So far. I'm really enjoying it, but I'm I'm not completely
0: done, so I can't can't give an overall verdict. And then the next one is another collaboration with Nina LaCour. You Know Me Well. I have not read this one either. And then I believe Sarah has read the next one, Sam and Ilsa's Last Hurrah. It's I, another one
1: with Rachel Cohn. Yes, I did read this one, and this is about um, a brother and sister pair, Sam and Ilsa, and they live in New York City, so a kind of a... Fabulous and different life than the one I had as a teenager. And their grandmother has an apartment in a uh, rent controlled apartment in a fabulous building. And so they have been able throughout their high school t- career to use her apartment to throw these great parties. So this is already fantasy. Right. <laughs> so, but now they're about to graduate and they're going to throw one final party and they have rules for the party. So each of the twins gets to invite three guests. And they don't tell the other twin who they've invited. Nobody knows until the party starts. So the party takes, the whole book takes place over the course of the party. Basically in one night, there is kind of an epilogue to let you know how things turned out. But it mostly, most of the action happens over the course of the party. And it's about, it's about a little bit about romance because there is some romance in there. But it's mostly about. Sam and Ilsa's relationship and them trying to figure out what comes next for them after graduation and how do they, how does their relationship get changed after they're maybe no longer on the same path? Because it's
2: like, how do you navigate that, that change from high school to college? Well, and then, High school and
1: whatever comes after. Right. And then specifically having always done everything together. So as twins- so I liked this one I do feel again that this kind of got into not all the time but some teens that a lot of these teens had some very profound thoughts that in my experience the teenagers that I've dealt with at least like this is a party of uh, what eight people and all of them have a lot of profound thoughts (laughs) and I think that teenagers don't as often, like, so collectively. Do your children listen to this? Are you are you dissing on your children and no. their profoundness? I'm saying that they have, they're all capable of <laughs> profound thoughts, but that all of them on the same <laughs> evening have really deep thoughts. I'm not sure about that, but that's okay, because that's where he's able to kind of throw out his tidbits in the form of, his tidbits for life in the form of dialogue of his characters. So
0: The next is The Mysterious Disappearance of a Ness, and I did read this one for... This, this podcast, and I'm not going to talk about it too much because I really feel like this one is more middle grade. Um, the characters are younger in this book, and it's kind of Chronicles of Narnia-esque. Like, the way the brother disappears is by going through a, kind of like a wardrobe up in the attic, and he goes to a different place. And the following title is Take Me With You When You Go, and it's a collaboration with Jennifer Niven. I don't know this one either, but Ezra wakes up one day to find a sister gone. No note, no sign, nothing. And I'm only mentioning that because that's two books in a row by David Levithan that are about missing children. Hmm. (laughs) I just thought it was an interesting trend there. And then finally we have answers in the pages, but this is another middle grade. So
2: I read that one. I liked it, but yeah, it's middle grade. Right. I like that he is stretching out and writing some more middle grade because I think his message of hope and inclusion and all of these things that he writes about, in middle grade is such a good audience for that. So I really enjoy that he's writing some middle grade stuff.
0: And it is a good one to read. It's a novel about speaking up and coming out as parents in this book are lobbying to ban a beloved book.
2: It's very topical and timely for right now. It so is. It's it's very good, and it's relatively recent.
0: Oh, no, it's brand new. But after all that, did everybody enjoy reading David Levithan?
2: Yes.
1: I will say overall, yes, but this isn't typically the story I would reach for because it's like love and hope, which is great, but you know me, I like to read stories <laughs> that have a dark twist. Except you like Elise Bryant, whose stories I are about love, love, love that one. and hope. <laughs> but her, But her teens feel so real
0: to me <laughs> okay so less uh sophisticated less sophisticated less profound well, maybe they don't live in new york yeah so that's maybe what i'm new saying york maybe if, are if i was a yeah
1: if i were a teenager in new york maybe i'd know a lot more so now
0: it's time to assign the next title and finally this time it's going to be just one title and it's sarah's turn to pick Yay. i'm so
2: glad it's just one title
0: So
1: tell us, Sarah, what are we going to be reading? Well, you know, it's about to be the Halloween season. (gasps) Spooky. Exactly. So I am going to assign a ghostly book. Mm -hmm. We are going to read Ghost Tracks by Celso Hurtado. And then this one is about um, a teen named Her- Erasmo who is trying to raise money by being a paranormal investigator. And so he deals with ghosts and demons and exorcisms, all that good spooky stuff.
0: Well, I'm excited because I
2: like spooky stuff. I'm not as excited because I, I'm a big old giant chicken. <laughs> 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 but I will make an exception and try and keep an open mind and hopefully I will
1: not be too scared. Hopefully. Or maybe. Or maybe you will be. And you'll get nightmares. No, I don't want nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> there are no zombies. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of Spill Lit by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Sarah. I'm Katherine. And I'm Patty. And we want you to join us next time as we share some great titles to read during the spooky month of October when things go bump in the night. Remember to like, review and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading.